0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. I'm so excited to be able to chat with you today. I mean obviously I'm excited every time I get to chat because hey, if there was a talk in the Olympics, I'd have gold, silver and bronze. Hey you, I just love being able to chat with you, but it is an especially uh, important day, one of worthy of celebration. And it is the 100th episode. So, wow, isn't that just incredible? I remember when I was being uh, harassed, I'll say invited to start a podcast. And I sort of reluctantly did because I'm like, ah, God, I'm having all these conversations that would be great to record, but it's another thing. And, you know, it's honestly been one of my favorite things, one of the most expansive things. So I'm going to talk a little bit about just what I've learned through doing this and also what I've learned just throughout my experience. I don't know what timeline is going to begin that, but I just wrote down some things that I've been thinking about that I'd like to share with you as we celebrate this glorious hundredth episode. So, you know, wherever you listen to this, if you could give it a five-star review and a written review as a celebration pour moi, a gift for me, please. Um, and, uh, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to it, get an alert when some of this pops up, getting ready for you, you know? So one of the things that I've learned through this process is, look, I I think one of the most important qualities in a relational partner, but I I think this is true of just a human is to have humility is to be open to hearing how we're not so great. And that can be really hard, especially as someone who is a recovering people pleaser, doesn't like not being liked. That's incredibly hard to do when you have a public profile, when your opinion or your thoughts, maybe as a better way of saying it, my interpretation of the world is out for everyone to see, for everyone to criticize. And I've said on previous episodes that that is... You know, the commitment I made is to be committed to what is true for me and express that at the cost of being liked. that is scary because, of course, that's healing, though. And I, I think that's one of the most beautiful things of starting my Instagram and also my podcast is that it's healing for me to know what resonates when I hear feedback and know what's not mine and is just other people's shit being projected onto me. And so, the more you get to know yourself, the more you become intimate with who you are. As Pima Chodron talks about in her book, When Things Fall Apart, this idea of my tree, which is a Buddhist principle of becoming best friends with oneself. You know, we discuss things like self love being bubble bass and rose and all, all day. <laughs> hey, uh, but it's, it's so much more than that, it, it is rituals and habits and boundaries that say i love me this much how much this so much that i am worthy of and so it can be keeping small promises to oneself to make your bed every day start small with something like that and build up momentum to have boundaries to go for walks when you would normally be still and 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 just starting to cultivate habits but the principle of my tree is to become best friends with oneself to develop a deep, intimate friendship and reverence and, and compassion for oneself. And that is done through sitting with yourself, being present to your feelings, acknowledging things that you may have never acknowledged, truths that you've maybe ignored because they're painful or create shame. And it's in doing that, that we open ourselves to the ability to separate criticism from what's true and and being able to receive criticism and say, gosh, there is some truth there. And in the last 100 episodes, but I'd say also the last six years of my work that's been public more so, I have learned so much more humility. My opinions and thoughts used to be more abrasive I've learned more gentleness as I find it with myself. As, I'm, as I learn to embrace other people's thoughts, feelings, and opinions that are different than mine, I am less attached to being right and more desiring more deeper understanding and more connection. So that's really shifted for me. There is a quote that I heard recently that one of the first signs of a soul being awake is that it's angry, and I would say that for the first, that sort of drove my desire to understand relationships was that I was angry. I was angry that I hadn't been taught all this explicitly. I hadn't gotten a course in it in school, that it mattered so much to my health and well-being, And yet these were not conversations we were having, you know, about intimacy and sex and about love and communication. Like it should be something that is taught to everyone because it's because it's never been taught to everyone, and we have so much more research and thoughts and and experience that we can, because it's not taught, it's then not taught in the home because it's never been cultivated. And so we're sort of just born into this situation that is often dysfunctional, and then we inherit those relational patterns and communication patterns, and also patterns of self-abandonment that continue till we wake up. And we do the work. We wake up and we realize that we are this soul on this journey. And what a beautiful thing to begin to ask questions like, who am I? Why am I here? And and to acknowledge how often we've been lied to about the truths about life, the truths about relationship, who we need to be, how our life is supposed to look. And that should make you angry. If you're angry, you're in good company. Because... Everyone is on some level if they've self-abandoned in order to please the crowd. It's so easy, though, to dance for others, to seek applause, because applause feeds the ego, feeds the system. It's so easy to be quiet when it's so much more challenging to have a voice and to potentially ruffle feathers. So that is something that I've learned. You know, at the beginning of the podcast, I interrupted guests more, I was so excited to get my words out. I wasn't a great listener. And I'm sure that translated to my personal relationships. Absolutely. And then you think about how that is also connected to my de- my desire to be right <laughs> or to be heard or to know versus not know. There's certainly a thing I have about um, formerly being very research-based, very, which was important, and I think research is important, but there was a thing about that so that no one could really question me if it was backed by research. But I realized that research doesn't tell all the stories. It doesn't fill all the spaces. It's also biased by the people doing the researching and and by cultural norms and societal norms and where's funding, you know, all these things play into it. And I've realized that there's just a general softening and compassion that I've developed more and more. Uh, If you haven't listened to previous episodes, you know, I've, I went through a breakup last August slash September, and of course, that breakup permeated through my life for some time. You know, i really sad in that feeling of grief, of just how grounding grief is, how much it demands to be felt, that it roots you in the ground, that it, it makes us uh, without a capacity really to move too much. We might get out for exercise, which is incredibly good for that state of mind to move the energy, to box, to do stuff like that. And it also demands that we sit in silence and we get to know ourselves, that we get to know our feelings and who we are. And heartbreak to me is such a gateway to, and so is any relational conflict, not feeling understood, you know, not feeling like you're in the right place, not knowing where you're meant to be. All of these are such invitations into a beautiful journey of discovering more about ourselves. And so I really learned that grief is love. As I sat in the pain, as tears rolled down my eyes on a few podcast episodes, I just recognized that the pain I was feeling was because my heart was open. And that really led me to this thought, your heart is not broken, it is open. And what a thing it is to close it in that time because we're so afraid of pain. We've been socialized to be afraid of pain. And I am here to say, no, go into the fire. You know, go into the fire. There's a great poem from Rumi called The Question. And I'll read a part that I love so much. One dervish to another, what was your vision of God's presence? I haven't seen anything. But for sake of the conversation, I'll tell you a story. God's presence is there in front of me, a fire on the left, a lovely stream on the right. One group walks towards the fire, into the fire, another towards the sweet flowing water. No one knows which are blessed and which not. Whoever walks into the fire appears suddenly in the stream. A head goes under on the water surface, that head pokes out of the fire. Most people guard against going into the fire and so end up in it. Those who love the water of pleasure and make it their devotion are cheated with this reversal. The trickery goes further. The voice of the fire tells the truth, saying, I am not fire. I am Fountainhead. Come into me and don't mind the sparks. There's something that occurs in that experience that is a cooking, right? Uh, that's not part of his poem. That's me jamming now. Which is when you go through these processes, these patterns of behavior, these choices. We might think of it like Freud talked about repetition compulsion, that we have a compulsion to repeat. And there's many layers of psychologists who have talked about that. But let's just think about it. We keep repeating things that hurt us, that are not expansive practices. And when you think about that, there's this what's occurring is we're not bringing back the wisdom to ourselves. So we're going on the journey and we are not bringing back the, the, what we've killed to eat or what the food we've gathered, you know, the vegetables or whatever it is. And we haven't gone and done that with the lesson that's in the pain. And so when we go into the fire, when we look at all the things that have occurred in our lives that are painful, that maybe we have brought upon ourselves or, that have happened to us. And when we go into that fire, when we sit in it, when we face it, we are allowed or able, not allowed, we come home within ourselves with an expansion, with new knowledge, with this wisdom that makes it so we don't repeat the pattern anymore. You know, it's It's very simple to think we repeat patterns when we repeat choices. Yes, that's so simple. So if you want to change your life, change your choices. Yes, but that's too simple. It's what are you missing in the lesson? What do you not want to turn towards? What is the fire that you're avoiding? Because when you get into it, it will cook you and you will be delicious. You will come out of that with an expansion and a new level of knowledge that facilitates a different choice because you have different awareness. And I think about this collective experience, uh, more recently listening to Francis Weller, who's a a psychologist, talk about these initiatory processes that historically in cultures, you would go on this journey and you would come home. And that home, you, you would be bringing back the thing, but you were welcomed home. And I think about this in the context of ourselves, right? Because it's one thing to be welcomed home by a community that accepts you for the things that you have done wrong or made poor choices or something that the community itself deems as shameful, although for a human experience is not. Something like divorce could be as simple as that. Something like infidelity or just making a poor choice, right? The community shames it. But that doesn't invite the... The, the message to come back, the wisdom, the, the reward f- to come back and share what you've learned. But when we can sit with that person and say, please tell me about your suffering. Allow me to witness you. Allow me to see what you've been through. Then they can share it and it becomes integrated. So the community itself fosters the expansion, but also what is garnered there is. The people listening are learning through the missions that other people are going on. This is why community can be so healing. Now, it's hard to create a community or a sense of, it's hard to get that if it's not available, right? Because then you go, well, I keep going on these missions, and repeating these patterns, but everyone is also doing the same fucking missions all around me. We're all dating dysfunctional people. None of us are good at communicating. No one's ever offered compassion. I belong to a church that loves shame. That's how it controls everything, right? So how do you, right? It makes sense that we would repeat shit. It makes sense that it would be a compulsion because we keep thinking there's something wrong with us. We keep thinking that it's me who's the problem. And so I'll just keep hurting myself because I'm worthy of this. This is what I signed up for. I'm not worth more than this. And so it is that creating that space of community within yourself, recognizing that the voices you use, the words you use with yourself are first the bedrock of the community that you're offered. It's beautiful if someone can sit outside of you and say, please tell me about your pain but you might not always get that. And if you're listening to this and you need that, tell me about your pain. Sit with it. Feel it. You know, this is what connects people, is suffering. It is not perfection. It is not, it's not the perfect life. It's not the highlight reel on Instagram or Facebook. It is that none of us really know what the fuck we're doing. We're all trying to figure it out. And what a beautiful space of community to say, I don't know either. Tell me what you've figured out thus far. And man, in 100 episodes and in the last 41 years, I've learned a lot. And I am grateful to have a community that I can share this with. And knowing that anyone's response to what I'm sharing that is negative or critical, knowing that that's not about me, Sometimes it's about me, but it's not often about me. And I'm able to say that's their karma. That's their journey. that's That that struggle they're hearing inside or that defensiveness or that reaction is, an, is because there's a belief within them that they're not willing to examine. So they double down on it and come at someone else. They project it. And so the best thing we can do is cultivate community within ourselves. And then you don't need the validation, but you can start to create a community that invites that and what a beautiful practice that is to do within our families and to take all these shameful the ways that we create shame and judgment that we've been taught that we finally say no more i will not live in a world that has that it will not be one that i participate in i'm ready to create a new one i wrote something after i listened to that um or it was an audio series from Francis Weller called The Alchemy of Initiation. I recommend checking it out. It's not free. I think it's like $50, but it's been incredible. And then he talks about a mentor that said to him, you need to practice the yoga of ordinariness. And I thought, oh, what a beautiful thought to, to think that it is ordinary to experience pain. It is ordinary and normal to actually not know it is ordinary, to have trauma and to have suffered. Because normally our trauma or suffering, our pain, whatever it is, causes us to isolate. I'm broken, no one will understand me. And so we withdraw because we've created this culture, this idea that having your shit together is normal. <laughs> it's not. And so we believe that we're flawed, but when you start to practice the yoga of ordinariness, you start to build a bridge I was thinking about this, that in practicing the yoga of ordinariness, we start to go into thinking of how we create specialness around our wounding, right, that there can be, and I use this word with grace, there can be a sort of narcissism to our pain, that we get righteous about it, and that we hold on to it, it becomes part of our identity that causes us to feel separation. And I said, if we shift the to ordinary, that it's ordinary, that it's ordinary, that it's what it means to be human, then it's not a dismissal of the pain, but an acknowledgement of the collective experience of pain. And that collective experience of pain becomes the unification back to others, to seeing yourself within another. And even if someone else doesn't see their pain, their heartbreak, their trauma within themselves yet, or hasn't acknowledged it, or it's not conscious, they believe everything's fine, which is okay. So that acknowledgement of them, though, just witnessing them without judgment is actually the gateway to them seeing that they're ordinary too. That there's not a, a need to try to crack them open, right? But just being present with them and seeing them in their totality. I love that concept. So there's a beautiful book that I read along my journey that I really loved. And the book is called The Art of Loving, and it's by Eric Fromm. There's hardly any activity, any enterprise, which has started with such tremendous hopes and expectations, and yet which fails so regularly as love Isn't that so true that uh, we, if we wanted to become a doctor, we would go learn the pathology, the physiology, you know, surgical techniques, whatever it may be, and we would become a master of that. And that's ultimately what we're doing here. I mean, you're listening to this podcast, so you're thinking about how you think, you think about how you relate. You're in a top percentile of the desire for some level of relational awareness, emotional awareness. And that, you know, people say like, well, the more work I do, the pool gets smaller of eligible people. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good proof that, you know, you're doing the work because not everyone's for you. And before you thought everyone was for you and not everyone was for you. So, of course, the pool got smaller because you got more aware of yourself and what you want. And gosh, I acknowledge the people who are in relationship who wake up to that and realize that what they have might not be what they want. And that is such an amazing invitation to say, okay, can this become that? Is there a way that we can navigate this to become that? And gosh, when someone calls out the truth of a relationship, we are disconnected. Things are not okay. I have never even thought about me. We got married so young, or I was in dysfunctional, we were in dysfunctional relational patterns can we birth something different? Do I want to birth something different with you? It's easy to push away the relationship at that point and for the other person to get very afraid that the person waking up within the relationship is going to leave them. So it's normal for them to try to hold on tighter, to try to control it, to try to resist the change. And in that is the relationship has the opportunity to either deepen or fracture and What a beautiful thing to say, I love you so much that I no longer want to see you with a mask on. One, I will no longer live with one myself, but I love you so much that you could put the mask down. You could put it down because I want to see you. I want us to get to know each other for the first time. I love that concept of what Dr. Alexander Solomon talks about that even in a marriage that lasts a lifetime, lifetime, there will be many marriages because there will always be different iterations of us. We will continue to grow and change and, and evolve. And as our container expands, of course, as we learn about life, as we learn about love, as we learn about ourselves, as we learn about this world, that, of course, we are going to grow and in our growing The container of the relationship must grow too. It must expand. It's being invited to not be something we depend on anymore, but rather a beautiful additive to our life, that it makes our life better, that it contributes to our well-being. It doesn't determine our well-being. That's codependency. It contributes to our well-being. And that is such a shift. That is such a shift to crack, to say no more does my life depend on this. I've mentioned a quote from Harriet Lerner that I love where she said, if you are not free to come and go from a relationship, then you will never feel free to be yourself within that relationship. And gosh, that is a tough thing to face because we think, well, we might have financial ties. We might have so many things that are making it. So we have to dance. We have to comply. We have to, so we feel trapped and it's, so hard to say this, you know, the awareness that I've developed over time is to recognize that a vow is not a prison. Commitment is not a prison. You should never feel like you have to be in a relationship, although you might feel that throughout a relationship. This is not to say that you just leave things that are hard, but it's our, no one can do the work of two. No one person can do the work of two. And it is very normal for over codependent people to do all the work for two. To try, 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 I try, I try, I try. The healing in these situations is often to say, like to ask ourselves, what is abandoning me, continuing or not? You know, and, and it is standing in that truth of... We either show up or this goes that invites the other person to show up. It is not doing the work for them or softening the truth for them that invites them to expand. Just like if you're listening and you had a partner say, hey, you're not always nice when you do this. You can be defensive. You could be critical. I feel like you have a hard time holding space for my emotions sometimes. And there's truth in that. What a beautiful gift your partner has offered you when your boss tells you or your colleague says, sometimes you can get defensive. Sometimes I feel like you take credit for things. Sometimes blah, blah, blah. Invitation to inquiry always. Do you want to be better or do you want to be right? Do you want to grow and be a better human or do you never want to experience discomfort? You know, the gifts of feedback invite you to see the things that you can't see. Our partner's put a spotlight on the things we can't see. It's like that saying, you can't see the forest when you're in the trees. And Eric Fromm talks about in this book that we have mistaken the feeling of falling in love with being in love. Even the idea of falling in love, rise in love, rise. That's what it's inviting us to do. I mean, gosh, the last hundred episodes have been really transformative to be able to listen to so many beautiful brains and minds and hearts and souls and to also be on this journey with you. Uh, I don't always get it right. I don't always say the right thing. I don't, yeah, you know, I, and that's that's just how it is. You know, that's just what it means to, to do this thing called life. But gosh, I have... I ever been just so grateful for the community and the people and the recognition of how we're all here, really with this desire to learn how to be better at connection and to learn how to just get relationships, you know, right in some sense. And that's an ever elusive thing, because as you learn, you will continue to see how you can grow. And that's where that seed of humility will serve you so well. And that is probably one of the greatest, that is the greatest thing I've learned is is to be open to hearing how I can grow and knowing that that pain I might feel in feedback that's truth is really just awareness of a better available behavior and choice that is more connective and to recognize and have compassion for the knowledge that all the parts of me that were protective chose the wrong people, pushed people away, ran towards the wrong people, treated people poorly, treated myself poorly. There were always to protect myself from experiencing pain or numb pain I was experiencing. And it is sitting in all of that truth that I am free. And that's what love ultimately is, is freedom. It should feel free. It should be a choice. And so when you know that your relationship is not a prison, you can come and go, right? Just that awareness it means that every day you're there, you're choosing it, which makes you feel responsible for it, which makes you know that you don't get to take your partner for granted, that you still need to get to know them because they're just like you. They're changing just like your parents are, just like your kids are, just like your dog is is you have to get to know them as they expand just like you desire that and we hold so many people to who they were now don't get me wrong if someone is unsafe unkind and this is not permission to go back there don't even try that shit. because the expanded version of you is moving forward it's like that idea of like should i get back together with my ex like you shouldn't have to ask that you should meet them moving forward as you grow on your path Gosh, I'm so frickin' grateful for this platform and this opportunity. And thank you for participating in this conversation with me and for helping and contributing to cultivating a community that is about love and understanding and healing and making a better world, which is also about treating our planet with more respect, treating animals with more respect, treating plants, treating this everything with more respect and love and gratitude that everything requires the other. We're just part of a system, a beautiful symbiotic planet. And we're part of it. We're not outside of it. The planet needs us, and we can't just take from it. And that's the same thing. We need each other. It can't just be taking. And that deeper inner healing work, the getting to know oneself, cultivating a home within oneself, that act of getting rid of all the bullshit stories we were told and throwing away what's not ours embracing who we are our soul our expression in doing that we continue we we begin to tell a new story one from our hearts and that's how we change the world and you know that what i said at the beginning that the sign of an awakened soul is that it's angry We should all be a little angry right now because of what we're seeing, because of deception, because of we're not told the truth. Our media doesn't tell us the truth all the time. Our governments don't. And it is up to us to get centered within ourselves so we can differentiate bullshit from truth. The people outside of you are not your parents. That initiatory process that I keep speaking to you Is what moves you from adolescence to adulthood and as francis weller talks about in his audio series the alchemy of initiation is that we are in an adolescent culture because we've lost that ability to come home and so i hope this is an invitation to come home for you to really inquire within yourself what are you repeating that is done what lessons require a returning home, what would be coming home for you? What would it feel like? Write a letter to yourself to welcome all the parts of you that you have exiled because the parts of you made mistakes. Well, those are the very parts of you that you need to welcome back and sit down with and say, teach me what you've learned. Ah, oh, what a beautiful journey that is. So it's with so much love that I say thank you. For being part of this, for the 100th episode. And please, uh, wherever you listen to this, please subscribe, leave a five star review, and a written review, and share this episode so we can help expand this container and heal and learn to relate on, a, on another level. Much love.